you back. You think you're back. Morning, my name is Johnny. Welcome to UD Center for Positive Living. We're glad you could join us this morning. I'd like to read to you from today's daily word. Guidance. The affirmation is divine guidance clears and lights my way. I'm divinely guided moment by moment, breath by breath. With certainty and assurance, I go forth to do what is mine to do. Trusting all things are working for good. Even during the most trying times, <laughs> through my faith, I am assured all is well, regardless of appearances, just as the sun shines after a storm. In times of uncertainty, I turn within, pray, and enter the silence, and discern the still, small voice within me. Then I relax and pay attention to my intuition, I listen deeply to my soul, and open and receptive to the many ways my guidance manifests. Knowing and claiming my oneness with God, I dare to reach for my dreams. With unshakable faith, I go forth expecting to receive clear guidance and direction from Christ within. And from the Bible, I will instruct you and teach you the way you should go. That's Psalm 32, 8. And now it's time for Shirley to pleasant and please join us. We are so blessed to have Becky Thatcher and Matt Corey with us here. Let's all give them a hand.
and this is just kind of like a very nice sort of slow bluesy thing so yeah i'll sing through it a couple times we'll sing through it together and then i'll go into a verse so here we go mother father god
Oh, and now it's time for a reading. Yeah, the reading will be given by Susan. I'm going to read from the book of Awakening by Mark People. The um, subtitle is Having the Life You Want by Being Present to the Life You Have. And this piece is called The Kinship of Gratitude. When you make the two one, when you make the inner as outer, and the outer as inner, then shall you enter the kingdom, Jesus. The goal of all experience is to remove whatever might keep us from being whole. The things we learn through love and pain reduce our walls and bring our inner and outer life together. And all the while, the friction of being alive erodes whatever impediment remains. But the simplest and deepest way to make who we are at one with the world is through kinship of gratitude. Nothing brings the world of spirit and earth together more quickly. To be grateful means giving thanks for more than just the things we want but also for the things that surmount our pride and stubbornness. Sometimes the things I want and work for, if I actually received them, would have crushed me. Sometimes just giving thanks for the mystery of it all brings everything and everyone closer, the way suction flows streams of water together. So take a chance and openly give thanks, even if you're not sure what for, and feel the plentitude of all that is living rush up against your heart. This is a uh... Old chant, I've um, seen in Tibetan chant and Sanskrit, and uh, Om Tare Tutare Ture Soha. Uh, the Om is a centering uh, sound, it's representing holy wholeness of universal sacred sound. And Soha is essentially uh, the Amen. So at the start, you have the centering sound. At the end, you have an amen. Uh, Tare is another word for uh, Sanskrit invocation of Tara, the feminine aspect of divine compassion. And Tutare Ture uh, is uh, essentially a prayer relieving sadness and disease. So we're accessing the divine feminine of compassion to release any sadness, release any any uh, dis, dis ease within us. So we'll sing this many times. Om Tare Tutare 
Now it's time for our affirmation. Let's all say it together. I am the love of God and expression. I am truly thankful for all the good I already experienced. I am growing more prosperous with every day. I am healthy, active, old, and happy. I am always growing and expanding into the fulfillment of my potential. I have peace, knowing everything I need comes to me perfect time and in the perfect way. It's the third Sunday of the month, so we'll be praying the traditional Lord's Prayer today, followed by the Alleluia. Let's all say it today. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Thank you. 
it's time for our speaker. We are privileged to have a different speaker each Sunday of the month. This morning, I'd like to welcome back licensed Unity teacher, teacher Marianne Jones, all the way from Canada, who will be speaking to us about how, in compassion, there is no contradiction. Ready, guys? So today, we will be accessing wisdom from the book, The Mindful Self-Compassion Workbook. Here it is. And the authors are Kristen Neff and Christopher Germer. And they both have PhDs, so they know some stuff. And I am studying this book and I'm applying the principle of compassion to my everyday life experiences and it is transformational work I promise you so I'm going to change things up today by beginning today's talk with a guided meditation it um this meditation also comes from the workbook that I just mentioned to you and there's actually about four, at least four different meditations. And it's called affectionate breathing. So that was something new to me. And I'd like to share it with you. So find a posture that is comfortable for you. And center yourself with a cleansing breath. Relaxing completely. Take a few slow, easy breaths. Release any tension from your body. If you like, try placing a hand over your heart or another soothing place as a reminder that we're not only bringing awareness, but we're bringing affectionate awareness to our breathing and to ourselves. Begin to notice your breathing in your body. Feeling your body breathe in and feeling your body breathe out. Notice how your body is nourished on the in-breath and relaxes on the out-breath. Just notice. Now see if you can just let your body breathe you. There is nothing you need to do. Notice the rhythm of your body breathing you. 
Feel your whole body subtly moving with the breath, like the movement of the sea. Of course, your mind will naturally wander like a curious child or a little puppy. When that happens, just gently return to the rhythm of your breathing. Allow your whole body to be gently rocked, caressed, internally caressed by your breathing. If it feels right, you can give yourself over to your breathing completely, letting your breathing be all there is. Just breathing, being breathing. It is enough. You are enough. You are the breather and you are the breath and you are being breathed. And now gently release your attention from your breath, sitting quietly in your own experience of what you feel. Allow yourself to feel whatever you're feeling and be just as you are. Slowly, gently, open your eyes. Take a moment to reflect. How was that for you? When I practiced that meditation, I really enjoyed the sensation of letting my body breathe me. 
giving myself over completely and, and feeling the movement of the sea. I really like that metaphor. I found it really soothing. Did you also find that soothing? It's important to teach ourselves, to teach our bodies what compassion feels like. For me, when I have tasted the sweetness of self-compassion, it's a game changer because the person I really needed love and acceptance from, c'est moi, that's French for it's me. And now I am giving myself that. I could stop looking outside myself for the compassion I needed, the understanding I required as a human being. I can now understand myself and forgive myself for these unreasonable perfectionistic expectations I had of myself and I could let myself be okay just as I am and it's a practice but I've had beautiful sweet tastes of that mercy of that compassion given to me by me I'm more willing to accept these days that I'm still beautiful even with all my foibles and weaknesses. In the Sacred Human, there's a 40-day exercise. Um, the Sacred Human is a book that I've covered over the past summer, written by Jim Rosemurphy, who's a unity minister. And there's um, a 40-day contemplative practice at the back of the book and I think it's on day 11 that he says, now I want you to list 40 of your weaknesses. And I know it isn't easy, but, you know, <laughs> we need to understand that we have weaknesses. And even in all these weaknesses, after having named them and owned them, that we are completely acceptable, completely sacred as is. And still, no maintenance required. You know, I've had trouble listing my strengths and my, my beautiful aspects of myself. And I got good at it with practice as I, you know, developed my um, emotional, spiritual, and mental self as I developed that, I got good at, at seeing the good in me. But you know, it's not easy to look at the so-called not so good, bad in me, whatever. That's not so easy. And he and because because of that um, reluctance to look at our weaknesses, we can deny it and pretend like, well, I, I just I have a couple weaknesses, but you know, that's that's okay. So does everybody else. And listing 40 weaknesses was like, okay, I guess I have a lot of stuff. And I tried hard not to repeat myself. So the point I'm making is 
that um, it's I it it helped me. It it helped me to realize that I am still beautiful with however many weaknesses I have. And only by looking at them and accepting that part of myself, the shadow part of myself, and loving myself anyway, can I ever possibly face these weaknesses and start um, working on them and and becoming stronger? You know, a weakness is only a weakness until you've grown stronger in that particular part of yourself. I loved a handout that Joanne shared with us after one of my talks. And it was on the Sacred Human, by the way, the first talk that I gave this past summer. And it describes why we came to Earth and what we were born for. And one line jumped out at me. You came here because you knew that you are liquid love. Isn't that a beautiful poetic expression of who we are, what we are? Liquid love. I visualize myself applying my liquid love to the cracks in my heart, my soul, and I see that I'm actually even more beautiful once I've loved myself in this beautiful way. So have you heard of the art of Kintsugi? I'm sure most of you have. It's the Japanese method of repairing broken objects, usually ceramic or glass. So traditionally, gold lacquer is used to piece these shards together again, creating a more beautiful object through the acts of breaking and repair. Kintsugi encourages us to fix rather than discard, thus placing a higher value on the objects we bring into our lives. Kintsugi is the opposite of a throwaway mentality. So how do we kintsugi? Yurishi is a Japanese lacquer derived from tree sap. This is the traditional material for kintsugi mending. Lacquer adheres the pieces together. It's allowed to dry and then sanded smooth. Gold and gold appearing or other finishing powder is dusted over the lacquer. Some craftsmen use different metals as well, like silver, platinum, or copper. Kintsugi is aligned with several Japanese beliefs and philosophies. The first is wabi-sabi, the acceptance of impermanence and imperfection, an inevitable part of our life here on earth. Wabi-sabi encourages the delight in irregularities and inconsistencies of the human hand rather than striving for perfection. Kintsugi celebrates the perfectly imperfect. And isn't it our human scars that truly make us uniquely beautiful? I mean, they say where we've been. There's stories around our scars. Haven't we, with pride, told the story of, you know, this scar over here and the scar over here, the scars on our tummies when we've given birth? 
um, if you know we had a C-section, we survived that um, and lived to tell the tale and discovered our divinity through that. By accepting the perfectly imperfect, we can walk through each day of our life with grace and compassion. This, of course, is much easier said than done because the inner critic gets in our face, does it not? Often without warning, surprising us with its viciousness. Now, this is all due to fear. It's true, the critic is tough in its approach, but really it's just another aspect of our divine psyche. It's called fear. The inner critic is a self-protective mechanism trying to keep you from harm and hurt and usually caused by social rejection. In an article in the Washington Post called How to Make Friends with Your Inner Critic, I read this, its methods are harsh, but its intentions are noble. The inner critic is hypervigilant, anxiously scanning the environment for threats. The inner critic is activated when we're trying to survive because it's trying to keep us alive. Only it sees everything as a threat, especially other people. I thought of some different ways that my inner critic shows up. So you may recognize some of these variations of the inner critic. Nitpicking, you did that wrong. And that can even go into, you are so wrong. Judging, I don't like that about him or her. Stay away from that person. Judging self. Scolding, you shouldn't have done that. Mm -mm -mm. Warning, you'll be sorry if you keep that up. Censoring, don't say that. She'll think this and you'll be sorry. Now that I think about it, doesn't this sound like the stereotypical worried parental voice? A lot of this nitpicking, judging, scolding, censoring, warning. That's where we pick it up, right? From the day we're born, from our parents, from our teachers, from the, um, you know, the world around us, the adults that are trying to protect us. Steve Hayes, professor of psychology at the University of Nevada in Reno, says this. I've never met a person who doesn't have an inner critic. It's not volitional. It's already in your nervous system. It's not going away. I looked up the word volitional in the dictionary. It means under one's will, one's choice, conscious control. So Steve Hayes is saying, it's not under your conscious control. It's, it's not a choice. It's not going away because it's part of your nervous system, part of your survival brain working to protect. So therefore, 
This is not something we can use our power of will to overcome. Positive thinking is not going to help. Instead, the critical voice needs to be understood. It's part of our psyche. It's part of the sacred human. It's part and parcel of your sacred self. So have you noticed the more risks that you take, whether physical or emotional, or the more vulnerable you allow yourself to be? The more you can expect to hear these riotous noises of fearful voices in your head. Logically, when we pay attention to these voices that are trying to shut us down and keep us safe, like we wouldn't do anything, right, if we listened, we know that's a dead-end life for anybody. And it doesn't seem logical, but you know the survival brain isn't necessarily logical. It's simply trying to get through another day without getting hurt. So this is where it's really useful to tap into our divine self, not to get rid of the inner critic, but to befriend the inner critic. Compassion. We know God is compassion. We know love is compassion. We are that too. As night follows day and the morning follows the night, we are what God is. So when we talk about the aspect of God being compassion, we can know that as, as the reality of our beingness, being one with God, we are also that. So you are compassion. And therefore, you can activate your spiritual power of compassion to soothe your scared human self and empower yourself with truth and courage. Your fear needs understanding. Your fear needs to be heard, not tucked away. It needs to be acknowledged or really, if it isn't, it just will cry all the much louder and drive you crazier. So in the article that I found, How to Make Friends with Your Inner Critic, it says this, rather than trying to suppress negative thoughts, learning to live with the inner critic is an essential skill that we can learn. So here are some strategies that can help. Give the critical voice a name. Some people name their inner critic and create a fictional backstory. Is it a disgruntled relative or a scared child? What part of your history does this voice speak from? What are the benefits it can bring you? There's a question. Allow your curiosity to ask some questions because perhaps there is a nugget of wisdom in the message albeit negatively or harshly delivered. You can create a liberating shift within your mind by creating a third person perspective with the inner critic. This is a distancing strategy. So all of a sudden you're not so aligning or um, identifying with the inner critic. You're not particularly believing every word that the critic says, but now you're you're looking at it from a different perspective, a third person perspective. So 
I was thinking about this strategy and I'm like, okay, I'm going to name my inner critic Emmy. So Emmy is gravely warning me to drop my plan to open my heart and speak to something that I am feeling sensitive about. She's really beating the drum in a very dire voice. This happened not too long ago. What's going on, Emmy? I asked her. Rejection. That's what's going on. You'll be sorry. It'll be a disaster. Save yourself. Run. Emmy, remember when you gave me the same warning last week about that other person? And look how well that went. I showed up powerful and strong and a complete success. And the whole situation was transformed. Everything's really quiet all of a sudden. It seems she's remembering and is feeling reassured. Although I sense she's still vigilantly watchful about the upcoming situation and hoping I won't forget, but she's sure to remind me if I do. It's okay to be concerned. It's a form of love, isn't it? Paul Hasselbeck, I remember when he was teaching at Unity Village and I was in taking his classes during licensed Unity teacher training, he said, you know, fear is a form of love because it springs up from a concern for self. A self-protective mechanism is a mechanism that's hoping to um, survive and be alive and experience love. The inner observer is aware of the concern. So the inner observer is our divine self, right? So we are aware of this concern. And we're also very aware of the spiritual tools we have at hand to be victorious and successful. So we can stand in our power when we speak to that inner critic. Befriending the shadow self with curiosity and compassion is life-changing and it, and, it, and it reduces unnecessary suffering substantially. You no longer have to mindlessly believe and buy into the harsh voices, messages that the voices say, the false evidence appearing real. But instead, you can ask yourself questions so that you can understand the truth. This is a powerful stance that you can take. And it releases you. November is actually the month that we focus on elimination, which is another word for um, release. And I, I enjoy the word release um, much better than elimination because elimination, there's an insinuation for me at least that elimination, it's a one-time deal you know, eliminate this, eliminate that from your life. So release works as, um, it's more of a, a constant, you know, we're, we're constantly releasing, right? It's a practice. So in November, we, we focus on the power of release. This is one of the 12 powers that unity teaches and release 
is part of forgiveness. Um, and so this, this ties right into my talk because this is definitely a power we want to activate. So another strategy that the article mentions is that it's important to remember that pain is part of our human experience. There's no getting around it. When I was doing a medicine wheel this morning, I honor the four directions according to the Lakota tradition. And the north direction represents hardship and suffering which also leads to endurance and leadership. So this prayer of the medicine wheel, honoring that direction of pain, hardship and suffering has really helped me to um, accept that pain is a part of life. You know, I think for so long, I just resisted so much and, and <laughs> did everything I could to avoid but it, it'll never work. The strategy really is to accept. Um, Steve Hayes um, did a study and they found that being open to painful thoughts and emotions is an important therapeutic tool that accounts for significant change among patients in therapy. Steve says, what if you could take a magic pill and erase all of your pain, but you also had to remove the wisdom and values you learned from it? Hayes says, I've never had a client who wanted to make that bargain. So another distancing strategy the article mentions is practicing mindfulness. So when we observe the critical voice in full swing, we notice it, we recognize it for what it is and its purpose, we can thank it for trying to help. We can remind ourselves that, hey, I wouldn't ever speak to a friend that way. I'm going to make an even greater effort to be as kind to myself as I would be to a friend suffering the same condition. So it can increase our intention to be truly kind, as kind to ourselves as we would to someone else. When we're triggered, the inner critical voice can move in like a vengeance. And it can be so overwhelming because of the negative emotion that rises up from this, this criticism. And when this happened to me recently, I did decide to become mindful of what was happening in me. And I sat with the feelings for a bit. Then what came to my mind was a compassionate response that I learned from the authors of the Mindful Self-Compassion Workbook. I acknowledged silently to myself, Marriott, being human can be really hard. It's really hard right now. I see your suffering. Just acknowledging that in that very compassionate way that I would do for a friend, lifted the weight off my heart almost magically instantly. It was amazing. It didn't take the challenge away, but it lifted the weight. 
I felt seen, heard, and validated by my by myself. You know, mirror work can also be very supportive. And I use it in self-compassion work as well. The last strategy in the Washington Post article mentions, use the inner critic for growth. It says, once understood, the inner critic can be useful. It can, for instance, help us lead a values-driven life. Chronically late people, for example, often experience a harsh inner critic who scolds them for looking bad in front of others and being immature. But if the patient values reliability, they can thank the inner critic for reminding them of this value and start applying time management skills. In this and other cases, the inner critic brings something really important to our, to our attention and we can use the experience to align our actions with our values. Talk about transformational work. So, you know, accepting our humanity as sacred and perfectly acceptable allows us to fully forgive ourselves for creating the suffering to begin with, forgive the situation, whatever it is, let go and just let it be. The hardest person have you found that the hardest person to forgive can be our very own self. And yet, when we move into mercy and compassion, which is our divine nature, when we choose to take that stance of love, we can forgive easily. Have you ever noticed that once you've done your inner work of loving yourself and accepting yourself, it's so much easier, even effortless, to love and accept others, all of a sudden, everything is easy peasy. Myrtle Fillmore said in one of her letters, when you come into a spiritual realization as you do in the silence, expect it to go down in the depths of your body consciousness and do its powerful and perfect work. None of us has learned to abide in the Christ consciousness continuously but the times that we do rise into it, keep us growing and overcoming and establishing more and more of its truth in our lives. We are not to feel discouraged if after such a glorious experience, we seem to lose the Christ consciousness and go back into the old habits. We cannot really lose anything that spirit has expressed in us. We simply let it sink into our human consciousness to do its good work. I think of the peace song that we sing each Sunday at the close of service. Let there be peace on earth and let it begin with me. Let us ask ourselves, how do we get to peace? Is it not through mercy and compassion? So therefore, 
Let there be compassion on earth and let it begin with me. Peace, my brothers and sisters in Christ. Thank you, Marianne. Now it's time for our offering. While we're together in spirit, physically and virtually, we want to thank everyone who has donated to Unity by Mail. We appreciate any check sent to the church at 800 South Pearl Street, Sixth Right, 8531. You can also donate online by clicking on the donation page on our website, unityofsixthright.net. As we hold our offering in our hands and hearts, let's say our offering prayer together. Divine Lord, through me, blesses and multiplies all that I have, all that I give, all that I receive, and all that I have. your collect our collective group healing energy for someone shout out their names speak it quietly just focus on them in your imagination you want to unmute and tell us who it is Thank you, Matt and Becky. 
And please join us next Sunday when the licensed school teacher at 8 will be our speaker. And finally, stay with us after service. A whole lot of good food downstairs. Now it's time for the peace song, so let's form a circle. Join hands and sing our song of peace. Thank you. 